Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Thought somebody claps on stage, you know? You guys decided to be in the house today? You guys seem like you got a lot of energy this morning, so I like that. So I'm going to tell you something. We're going to go somewhere today. Can we do that? Can we go somewhere? I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to get there. I don't know if you guys believe me or not. Barry, you believe me? You believe me. At one person, we're going to go somewhere. Um, it's going to be a great day in the house. Before I jump in, I just want to encourage you guys. Um, our youth group is in a brand new season of youth ministry, and I want to encourage you, if you have teenagers or a teenager in the house, maybe a grandparent, you got some teenage neighbors. We've got some claps going on. There's one person. There you go. Yeah. Um, bring them out tonight. We're just doing some incredible stuff. It's neon night, um, so it's going to be a little crazy and decorate up. But, man, I'm telling you, between now and through summer, uh, this youth ministry is going to be on fire. And so uh, if you're not going out to youth, to youth group, I encourage you to be there. I know God's going to do something special. Uh, and I, I believe you're going to feel like you belong. You're going to have a lot of fun. But, man, you're going to hear from God. Amen. And so I would encourage you to come on. Six o'clock. To remains house, you got to be there. So we're in a series, we're in the second part of a series, What Would Jesus, Jesus Undo? And so if you're new with us, maybe you've heard the, the idea WWJD had the bracelet uh, maybe uh, 20 years ago. I don't know when they did this, but um, it's been a while. But maybe you heard of What Would Jesus Do? But we're going to talk about What Would Jesus Undo? And so last week we talked about spiritual indifference, how Jesus would undo apathy in the church. And so we talked about not only does it hurt the heart of God and breaks his heart, but also turns his stomach. And so last week I opened with a story about my dad, and he was a little indifferent to a gift I gave him at Christmas, and uh, it was all sorts of fun. And this week I've got a, a different kind of story to share with you as I introduce today's topic. And so this week, um, long story short, I had the great honor and privilege of riding my bike, which is like new for me. Uh, it's been a long time. But I rode my bike to a rally's because my truck broke down and my house wouldn't start. And so this is the, you ever have those moment, like ridiculous moments in life, like when somebody filmed it on and put on YouTube, you get like a million views. Okay, that was me this week on my bike. I promise you, it was, it was an ugly sight. I would really be disappointed to all you guys who do bike. You'd be like, dude, this guy's a loser. <laughs> like, he looks terrible. And so, um, based long story short, I couldn't get the bike really off the ceiling because it had been up there so long that um, the, the stuff that pulley system didn't work anymore. So I get my bike down and it has flat tires, of course, the dry rod, the wheel, I mean, everything. So I fill it up and the, the front tire blows out on me. So I took a tire off my wife's bike, which again was on the ceiling. I couldn't get down. So I just took it from the ceiling. I put it on, it didn't line up right, so now my front brakes don't work, so I just left them undone, because that's smart. And um, the seat was low, but I was like, I don't really have time to fix that. So I got this real low seat going on, and the gears, uh, tra- uh, I may not know what they're called, the gear shifters are like rolled underneath it, so like I can't really reach them. And so the whole nine yards, no reflectors, things covering dust, I finally get this thing kind of jerry-rigged enough to go, and I know I just need a few little pieces of Riley, so I start hoofing it out. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I did leg day the day before, and I was already limping. And so I get down my street, and I got that, like, you know, grasshopper kind of thing going where my elbows are, like, low because my bike seat's all wrong. And I go through the rec park. Hello, somebody's working on the rec park. I don't know if you knew this but they tore down the bridge to the trail I was going to be on. And, um, yeah, so guess what happened? It was raining Thursday, and uh, I had now my raincoat on, which is now like a winter coat, so I now look like a real special treat, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, like, sweating out, right? And I get through that mud, and guess what happens? The stripe, you know what I'm talking about. Crotch to head, down to butt. I got this mud stripe going. I'm just proud, just shredding it out. And so I'm pedaling as fast as I can to make it to a rally. It's hoping nobody from church would notice me down 50 at highway. You know what I'm saying? So I'm riding on the sidewalk and my chain falls off. And uh, I try to hit my brakes. And of course, it's not stopping because there's really no brakes. The back's squawking and squealing. It's making these sounds. So now my feet are on the ground trying to stop the bike as I come into a rally. I mean, I looked like crazy, right? Like to- stupid ridiculous. I was like, Lord, I hope the, the chain doesn't hit the wheel. 
and, and it hits all the spokes and it flips me endo into this curb. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody's going to be on video. I mean, there's the pastor. Wham! Like, like a fool. And so here's my point. The point of the story is this, is that six months ago, uh, I worked on the outside of my truck. Like it had rust everywhere and I redid the fender wells and I painted it. Barry knows all about this. This thing was looking good. I even sprayed the undercarriage with all that stuff that really never works, but it's supposed to stop the rust. You know what I'm talking about. I was trying to make this thing great. But the point of the story is no matter how good the outside looks, sometimes it's what's on the inside that matters most, isn't it? Like this thing's not even running. It looks really good in the driveway. And so for us, I think sometimes we're challenged with the idea of what if our worship isn't reaching heaven? Like what if the stuff we do and the stuff we say and how we live and how we act isn't really pleasing to God, but looks great on the outside? I mean, we polish it up and put a new paint job on it, but on the inside, there's something broken. And so for us, I think as a church, there's this amazing potential in our church to align our hearts, the posture of our heart, with the position of our lives. Not just in the way we sing, but in how we live in every single area of our life. That we want the inside to be just as great as the outside today. And so I want to share a story with you. This is a conversation about something that Jesus will undo, and it's hollow worship. This idea of empty worship. And there's a conversation that takes place between the Pharisees and Jesus, and it's found in uh, Matthew chapter 15. The verse says this, it says, Then some Pharisees and teachers, these religious leaders of the law, came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, and they don't wash their hands before they eat? Hey, Jesus, we traveled all the way down here from Jerusalem to talk to you about this. Why is it your disciples don't wash their hands before they have a meal? Now, you might be thinking these Pharisees are like germaphobes. Any germaphobes in the house? Come on, you got, you got germex on you right now, don't you? You know, yes, let me shout out. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. All right, these Pharisees are not germaphobes, not really concerned about hygiene, but these Pharisees are concerned about ceremonial cleanliness. They're concerned about looking right on the outside. And so they're going to kind of corner Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, you know, you're not really following the things you're supposed to follow. Why is that? And so the Pharisees were so consumed about these meticulous little things on the outside. And you've got to understand what it was like to have ceremonial cleanliness. Like, why did they, they want to wash their hands? And they believed they, a devout Jew would separate things into clean and unclean. So like an animal where there's like clean animals, unclean animals. Uh, the way you prepare food, there's a clean way and a non-clean way. That maybe still applies today, doesn't it? Um, there's, there, uh, if you touch a dead thing, you're unclean. If you have bile discharge, you're unclean. If you have a skin disorder, you're unclean. So you touch a pig, you're unclean. And so the bad thing about being unclean was it was transferable. So it was contagious. It was kind of like cuties in the fifth grade. Come on. It just kind of spreads around. Everybody gets it. So if you've got an unclean animal, it touches maybe a utensil or a cup, and you touch that, now you're unclean. And if somebody touches you, maybe your spouse touches you, she's unclean or he's unclean. And so all of a sudden, this unclean stuff spreads. And if you're unclean, you can't worship God. And so these Pharisees are trying to corner Jesus. Like, why don't they become clean? Why aren't they washing their hands, Jesus? And so the problem with the whole situation is they want to become clean. And they, they were so particular about how to become clean. They actually get, a, this is a true story, a quarter log of water. Do you believe this? It's an eggshell and a half of water. You talk about meticulous an eggshell and a half of water, and they pour it over your hands. So before you eat the meal, you put your hands together like this, stick them in the air like that, all right? And you pour water over your fingertips, and it run down, and the water become unclean, and it would drip off your wrist and hit the ground, and then therefore your hands be clean. And after you did that, you'd flip your hands over, which is hard to do with the microphone, so I'll preach like this, all right? <laughs> so you put your hands facing down, the water run down your wrist and off your fingertips, and then you were clean. And if, it, if you did it wrong and it came down your arm, then you weren't clean yet, so you had to redo it over and over again. If you're a super devout Jew, you wouldn't just do that before the meal. You do that before every single course of the meal. So like before you get your burger and your french fries and your milkshake, every single time these Jews are doing this. And so these Pharisees are coming to Jesus. Why don't your disciples ritualistically clean themselves spiritually the way that we're supposed to do that? And Jesus absolutely unleashes on these Pharisees. He knows that their heart is far from God. They're so concerned about the external look 
of what it's like to be a Christian or to follow God. They're so concerned about getting everything right, but they miss the very essence of what it is to follow Jesus. Their heart is far from him. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, the very next verse. He says, you hypocrites. Come on, somebody say hypocrites. Hypocrites, come on. Next week, we're going to talk about what would Jesus undo. We're going to talk about hypocrites. I think I fit in that category, but we're going to talk about it next week. He says, you hypocrites. And he quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and he says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. This isn't looking good. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Hey, Pharisees, you're just giving lip service to God. And because you just give lip service, what does he say? How, how's their worship? What it says there is the worship is in vain. It's in vain. It's empty. It's absolute empty worship. What that means is that, that just because you look good on the outside doesn't mean it's right on the inside. And you try to look good to me, but guess what? It's not acceptable to me. Your worship's not touching heaven. Your worship doesn't please me. Your worship is far from that. Matter of fact, it's completely useless. It's vain. What would Jesus undo? I believe Jesus would undo a show. Jesus would undo somebody that's outwardly doing the things that the Christian life says to do, but inwardly is far from God. Jesus would do undo fake faith. Somebody who plays the part but isn't the part. You know, he tries to look like a good Christian on Sunday and then Monday, something different, right? And if we all struggle with that, but Jesus wants us to be pure of heart. Jesus wants our actions to flow out of the posture of our heart. I Man, I believe as your pastor in this church, I believe there's so much room, so much room for us to grow spiritual in this area that God would align our hearts with our position of what we do in life, where we spend our money, what we do with our time, how we treat people, and yes, how we corporately worship, amen? Do we worship from our heart or are we just doing the motions? You know, we talk about worship just for a few minutes and uh, obviously we talk about worship and it usually goes back to music and it's usually style, I don't know about you, but maybe you grew up in a different style of music. I know uh, the traditional style. You got the hymn book. You got the, the piano, the accompanist. You know, some of us grew up in a charismatic style. Come on, dude. You got that ribbon going. Tambourine lady. Come on. Nobody, nobody's, no, no charismatic people in the house. All right, perfect. Um, we're going to go for that. Which one's right, though? Which one's right? Like, which style is right? I don't know about you. Who grew up in a different style of music than you see today at church? Y'all, all y'all. All you're like, yeah, they were... Those are the good old days. I'm just kidding. But you know, you had these different styles of music, right? Some of you guys grew up in a liturgical kind of church. Maybe it was a Catholic church, a Lutheran church. They had everything planned out. I mean, you knew what to say every time they read a scripture. You knelt down, got back up. It was, it was repetitive. You knew exactly what was going to happen every single week. And it was lined out for the whole year. Some of you guys grew up in the charismatic church. Come on, it was getting crazy up there. You were dancing up in that place. You know what I'm talking about. Things were happening. Some of you guys, they, you know what I'm talking about. It's just getting a little crazy up in that place. There's, I'm not talking about slaying the spirit, but there's things happening, man. Things are moving. Things are going crazy. Man, some of, you, some of you guys grew up in a more traditional church. Maybe it's a small country church. Anybody a small country church? There you go. I mean, I went to a small country church when I was in college for four years. I know exactly what that's all about, man. Can you, can you say quartets every week, man? My special music. I'm talking about it. I loved it, dude. Uh, and, you know, I grew, up in a, I grew up in a traditional Baptist church. So what it looked like for me, you walk in, you had a big choir loft, all right? And then you had the guy in a suit, and he would, I call it flapping your arms, but he, he would conduct music. And, uh, and uh, we had an orchestra pit with a baby grand piano. Come on now. Everybody had the piano. That's what it was all about, the accompanist, right? And uh, believe it or not, I played in the orchestra pit. Told joyful noise unto the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I played the alto saxophone. I'm, all the people hearing me, they praying for me. You know what I'm saying? But I played in the orchestra pit, and, uh, and I knew all the hand signals from the worship leader, you know? Like, he, he'd start going like this. Man, God's in it. Keep it going. We always play, like, the first and, and the second and the fourth verse. That poor third verse. I'm not even write that verse. Like nobody even sings the third verse of the song, right? 
It's just kind of just there. We had this hymnal, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what that is, young person, go look up on Google. Turn, turn to hymn number 47, right? <clears throat> Hear those pages ruffle. And then it's like, everybody pick your part. I'm not picking any part, okay? I'm just, if I hit anything, it's going to happen. It's going to be beautiful, you know? And so we just sing together. That's what we did. And I loved it. I loved the hymns. I, I, I grew accustomed to it. That's what I grew up on. That's what I enjoyed. And I could, I could sing all the hymns of the best of them, right? I know all of them. And I went to a country church in college and knew all the hymns. There's hymns I didn't know I should have known, but they knew every hymn from, like, ever. I mean, come on. When the roll is called up yonder, I mean, we're going back now. Yes. <laughs> I love you, Drew. All right, but then I've been to conferences, you know, I've been, I've been to, to different youth rallies and all sorts of stuff across this nation. I've seen people do different stuff. I've seen the praise team. I've seen people jump up and down. I've, I mean, come on, there's that lady with the tambourine everywhere you go. It just happens. You know what I'm talking about? It's just there, like a little lady hitting a tambourine and this is what it works, you know? But you see that now, you see God's using all this, right? But the question I ask is which one's right? Because we all got a preference. Like uh, you know, more than any conversation I have as a pastor is probably about music. Preference. Preference music. We like a certain style, but which one's right to Jesus? And I would say, if you say traditional, you'd say charismatic or whatever, which one would Jesus pick? I would say he would pick both. Amen. Or he'd pick neither. Because it depends on your heart. Because if you worship in either one, but you're not coming from the heart, Jesus is going to accept it. It says right there, your lips give me service, but your heart is far from me. Your worship is in vain. And so if you're going to worship Jesus, you've got to worship from a pure heart. It doesn't matter if it's traditional. It doesn't matter if it's extra crispy. It doesn't matter whatever style of worship. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to worship Jesus from your heart. It's not about the style, but reflection of your heart. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine my kids getting a little older and it uh, ends up being Father day, Father's Day, and they decide to sing me a song. This is really probably never going to happen. But they want to sing me a song and tell you, Dad, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you. Man, I love you. It's so great. You're in my life. And so they write this song for me. They stand there, and they're all dressed up, and they, and they start singing. It's a cappella, and they're going. I'm not going to sing the song because I don't sing. But they start singing whatever they're singing. I look at them going, dude, this is terrible. No, this is unacceptable. You know what we need? We need some haze. We need some lights up in this place. This is not good worship until we get the, the lights going and the music. Who's wearing skinny jeans? There's no skinny jeans, Jack. Get some skinny jeans on, boy. Skinny jeans. Come on, who's the worship leader? Make sure I can see you. If I can't see you, you're not real. So be, you got to be on stage, okay, buddy? I'm just jacking around. You've been at church culture, right? So like, Andrew's over there. I'm waiting for reactions here. But... But my kids, of course I wouldn't say that. Or maybe they come in with pots and pans and they're just jacking around and they're singing and they're making all this noise, a joyful noise under dad, right? And I'm looking at it going, that's terrible, kids. Like, get dressed up. Put your suit on. Who's singing the third part, dude? I need some harmony up in here. Come on, dude. Where's the fifth? Who can do it? Come on. Let's try it out. Come on, kids. Like, anything they do from the heart, I'm going to accept. Amen? I'm going to love that. I'm like, man, dad loves what you're doing. Like, I don't care if it's terrible. I love it. I mean, this is amazing. It's the same thing for your heavenly father. It doesn't have to be perfect on the outside. It needs to be coming from your heart on the inside. And so do you worship Jesus with a pure heart? It's not about a style. It's about your heart. Man, and where's your heart today? Where is your heart? Is your heart into worship? You know, I made a decision a couple years ago that I was going to be as heartfelt as possible to Jesus. And uh, there's a story in my life that uh, I saw what I believe was probably one of the most intimate times of worship I've ever seen led anywhere in the entire world I've been and I've lived and this happened at a youth camp I was recruiting at, and, and this was about, I was 20 years old, so it's been a long time ago. And uh, I was at this youth camp in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and there was only about four or 500 kids at this camp, and uh, there was this kid that was kind of different than the rest of the kids. He didn't quite fit in, and uh, I found out later they had an intellectual disability. And this kid um, was just kind of the outcast of camp, and everybody kind of enjoyed him being around, but it was just different. And one night they did karaoke night, 
And then the stage all lined out on the side is a room probably the size of this gym. Everybody was messing around playing games. It wasn't really like just the only thing going on. And so this kid gets on stage, and we'll call his name James. So James gets on stage, and I'm sitting there watching this, and all the kids are like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Like something's going to, this is going to be fun. Like he's going to mess up. It's not going to be, you can hear all this chatter, you know, like teenagers and people do. Just kind of waiting to make fun of him. I'm sitting there watching this, and this kid gets on stage, and without missing the beat, he puts his hands in the air. He closes his eyes. We're just like waiting, like what is going to happen? And the song I can only imagine comes on by Mercy Me. She's going to sing along to it. And I'll tell you something, he started singing. He didn't hit a note. He didn't have any rhythm. But what he had was Jesus. That kid had Jesus. Matter of fact, he had more Jesus than probably anybody else in that room. He had more Jesus than anybody I've ever seen. That kid started singing to Jesus like he was right there in front of him. His eyes were closed the entire time and tears starts coming down his face. He's not even started the song. And this guy just cries the entire song as he worships Jesus. That kid had a gift. He could see something that we couldn't see. And all of a sudden the room gets silent. You hear a pin drop. And all of a sudden, James, the kid that everybody got made fun of, leading worship on stage. People start popping up and start standing and start singing around the room. And all of a sudden, this kid is leading this camp in probably the most intimate time of worship I've seen in my entire life. Everybody's bawling their eyes out. And he is authentic. And there's so many people in that space that are probably far from God. They probably came to camp and didn't know anything about Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. James gave more Jesus in that one song than most of us probably give in our life. That was straight from the heart of God. He saw exactly what he needed to see in the presence of that moment in front of God. And I thought, man, what an incredible thing. You know what? I wanted what James had, amen? Like, I want my heart to line up with my actions. You know what's crazy about James is? James had his eyes closed the whole time. He had no idea. He led the entire camp in worship. He had no idea. He got off that stage and just back to doing whatever. But God gifted him with something. It was God's presence in his life. And I hope that's for you the same thing, that God's presence in your life when you sing that maybe a tear comes down your face. Maybe you're so intimate with God, you've walked with him, that, that we're just authentic. I mean, that's going to be real with you because God's worth every single piece of it. I don't know where your heart's at today, but I'll just remind you of who God is. This is who God is. God is the son of God, Jesus. He's the author and creator of our lives. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for us. He went down when he died to the pits of hell and he stole the keys from the devil literally robbed the keys. And he went around and opened every prison cell for every single one of us that are a sinner in need of a savior and opened that and set captivity free. And then he resurrected from the dead on the third day. And now at this very moment sits at the right hand of God, making intercessory prayers for us day and night. He sent the Holy Spirit to walk with us every single step of the way. And the same power lives in Jesus, a resurrection that lives in us today. Amen. We serve a God worthy of all our praise. Amen. Come on, church. He deserves it. And it doesn't matter our position. It doesn't matter if we're the worship leader or the pastor or if you're in the front row because these front row people are crazy or in the back row. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of your car in traffic. It's your, it's your posture, your heart that matters when you're singing to Jesus, amen? And so I would encourage you to sing from your heart today. He deserves our best. We give all of it back to him. He is worthy and the only one worthy of our praise. So how do you ask the question, how do you express our worship? What position do we use to worship? I'm going to just give you some different thoughts, but I believe this, and I'm going to invite the band up. They can come on up here because uh, we're going we're gonna to go somewhere today. I told you we're going to go somewhere. So the worship team's going to come on up. I, I should have come up earlier, but they're going to get up here. 
But sometimes we bow in reverence. The Bible says this in Psalms 95. It says, come, let us bow down and worship and let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. You know, sometimes you bow down before God. I've done this so many times in my life where it's just overwhelming presence of God is on your life. We just have to take a moment and say, God, you are greater than I am. Like, this isn't my story. I've made a mistake, God. I surrender to you. This isn't my life. This isn't, this isn't my time and my future. This isn't my dream. This is your dream, Jesus. What do you want from me, God? You can take it. There's so many times you're on your knees just giving God everything you have and saying, God, I trust you. God, I surrender to you. God, you are holy. I'm not holy. God, you're worthy. I'm not worthy. God, you can take all of my life. That's one way we can worship. Another way we can worship. Sorry. One way we can worship is that we can lift our hands in adoration. You know, sometimes you think that's a charismatic thing. Whoa! <laughs> all right? Or you think it's just like, oh, that's a weird thing. But actually, it's a biblical thing. It says in the New Testament that they raised up holy hands in worship. Matter of fact, it says in the Old Testament, this is David talking in the wilderness. He says in Psalm 63, I'll praise you as long as I live, and in your name I'll lift up my hands. You know, in our culture, our hands represent a couple things when we lift them. First thing, it represents surrender. Man, I give up. You caught me. Like, game over. Like, I surrender to you. And it also means the second thing, and it means victory. Come on, your team wins. Those hands are coming up, aren't they? It's a victorious raise of your hands. And so when you follow Jesus, it actually means both things. Because when you raise your hands to Jesus, you're not only saying, I surrender to you, but Jesus' victory comes into your life. All of a sudden, all your insecurity and fear and doubt is replaced by the victory of Jesus on the cross. Every time I'm on the front row, I'm singing, I'm saying, Jesus, you can take my life. God, you've done it again. You can do it again in my life. God, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. God, you can change me from the inside out. This isn't my story. This isn't my church. This isn't my life. This is yours. God, take it once again. I've made it about me. You can have it again. I surrender it to you. And God's presence and God's victory and what he did on the cross for me pours into my life again. And I leave confirmed and empowered and emboldened by the power of Jesus. Amen. And so we lift our hands and surrender to Jesus. So not only can you bow in reverence, but lift your hands in adoration, but you can dance in celebration. Come on, somebody. Psalms 149.3 says, let them praise his name with dancing. Come on, you've all danced at some point. Don't deny it. Some of you guys danced when you got your iPhone. Some of you got crazy. I know my wife danced this week. She found out there was uh, pockets in her dress. Come on. Literally, she put that thing on. She goes, there's pockets. She's stoked about her pockets. Man, some of you guys danced when you got that guy finally proposed to you and you were so excited. I know you all danced when the Royals won the World Series. I know you did. I know you did. I don't have to look around. If you don't like the Royals, maybe you did. But I know you did. I mean, I, I mean I'm chest bumping people I don't even know. Total strangers. Yeah, boom, I'm hitting people. And they, I'm like, you know, whatever. That's what we do, right? We celebrate the victory. But when it comes to church and Jesus is like, oh. I would encourage you to let your posture and your position match each other. See, it's not about your position, but your position should always match your posture. The position of your body should match the posture of your heart. If God's doing something in your heart, don't be afraid to say, hey, God, man, I love you. I, I surrender to you. This is your story. Like, I'm going to break through my insecurity and fear. I'm going to give it all to you today, Jesus. I'm not afraid to lift my hands. I'm not afraid to give my hands. I'm not afraid to dance. And the last way you praise Jesus is a sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. There's a verse that says this. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. You know what this means? Sometimes we worship Jesus when we just don't feel him. Sometimes we worship Jesus when we had a hard week. Sometimes we worship Jesus when the presence of God isn't just right in front of our lives. Some of you guys are battling some hard stuff. Some of you guys are battling some cancer. Some of you guys just buried somebody you loved, a loved one this week. Some of you guys are going through a very difficult time. And we can praise Jesus in the storm. 
We can praise him in the wilderness. We can praise him in the desert because of who he is and what he's done in our life because our praise isn't built on our character. It's built on Jesus's because he is worthy. Man, he's preached my sermon. <laughs> Mike's preached my sermon. He is worthy. He deserves the glory. He's the only person that deserves anything from our lives. We give it back to him full heartedly because of who he is and what he's done for us. So my question this morning is simple. Does your posture and your position match? Does what you do with your life match the things of God? I'm not just talking about worshiping corporately here at church on Sunday morning. I'm talking about your entire lives. Does your bank account match the fact that God gave you everything? Does your prayer life, what you do with your time, match with what God has given to you? Do the actions, the things you say, do they honor Jesus with things he's given you? When you come into corporate worship, does your body reflect the things that God has done in your heart? So Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, to give God all of you, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. You know, Jesus doesn't want just your Sunday morning. And Jesus doesn't want you to just put up holy hands and your lips be right there, but your heart be far from God. Jesus wants all of you all the time. He wants every piece of you to be surrendered to him. And he is the one worthy of every piece of our lives. We're not just gonna sing a song. We're gonna reflect everything that's happening in our heart. I love to worship because it encourages me throughout the week. I come back here and I get built up again when I hear the words of the song. So what I want to do, I invite you guys to stand this morning. Go and stand to your feet. Who is God? To remind you, just kind of prepare your heart. Who is God? He is our rock. He is our redeemer. He is our refuge. He's our deliverer. He is our defense. He is the living water and the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He died on the cross for our sins. Jesus is the creator. He says he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is everything. He's the author of everything. He deserves our best, amen? amen. Jesus deserves all of us. And so we're gonna give it back to him this morning. We're gonna lift it up to Jesus. We're gonna surrender our hearts and we're gonna show him with our actions, our posture and our position, not just our heart, but our body. Say, Jesus, you deserve all of this. He alone is worthy, man. I believe hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And we get to worship him this morning. I wanna ask you just this question. Usually I do a formal invitation. People bow their heads and close their eyes. But I was gonna ask you this. If you'd say, I wanna be more intimate with Jesus. Like I'm done with hollow worship. I, I want my life to reflect everything God's put in my heart. I don't know what everything looks like right in this moment, but I want to be more intimate with Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hands high across the room and say, I'll be more intimate with Jesus the way I worship. Man's hands up everywhere. Man, I just want to pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for a church full of people. God, that are close to your heart, that want to pursue you, that want more of you in their life. God, I pray that we would bow down when you ask us to. God, we'd lift you up with holy hands of adoration. Some of us may be caught dancing. Some of us would be a sacrifice of praise this morning. God, I pray that we never just give you lip service. I pray that we never just go through the motions of Christianity. God, we would search our hearts deeply. We do exactly what you're asking us to do. God, I pray you draw people to yourself today. I pray that our worship touches heaven this morning. God, it's acceptable in your heart, God, because it's from our heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, would you look up to me real quick? You know, some of us, we, uh, we grew up in church. All you guys pretty much said you had a church experience. And uh, maybe you're like me, you grew up and you, and you sang the hymns, you sang the different songs, uh, but you, maybe today you realize that your heart is far from God. Maybe you realize that you've been given a little bit of lip service to Jesus, you've been going through the motions and been trying to be a good person on your own, but you realize today that, man, I really need a relationship with Jesus. Like, this isn't something I'm just trying to be, this is who I am. And so I wanna encourage you, if you need Jesus this morning, who is Jesus? Jesus is the sinless son of God, he down the cross for your sins. We talk about the Bible says that he nailed your sins to the cross. Everything you did wrong in your life, he took to the grave with him and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. 
Matter of fact, the Bible says he became sin for us, like literally became our sin. And he took our punishment on the wrath of God was poured down on Jesus. And when he arose from the, the grave, he came back with the keys and he took everything wrong in our lives and he exchanged it for everything good in God. And so if you become a Christian, you'll become just a better version of you. You don't add Jesus to your life. Jesus makes you brand new from the inside out. He transforms your life. You're a new person. You're a new creation. You're not a new version of you. You're a brand new person. So this morning, when you call in the name of Jesus, you can be saved and Jesus will be faithful to take away your sins. So maybe this morning you say, well, I need a new heart this morning. I need God to do some heart surgery. Like I've been just going through the motions, but I need God to be in my life. And if that's you this morning, with everybody looking around, just a moment of boldness, you'd say, yes, I need Jesus. Yes, I need to surrender. Yes, I need him in my life. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hands high and say, I need Jesus. Just put your hands up high. Messy hands up. Come on, let's lift it up, church. Man, celebrate that this morning. That's so amazing. Come on, there's something to celebrate. If you guys raised your hands, I want you to just pray this prayer and ask Jesus to save you from your sin. Just say this, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to down a cross for my sins. God, thank you for sending your best to me. God, I pray for a new heart this morning. I pray that you forgive me my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. God, you can have my life. I'll live for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, you lift it up. You celebrate those this morning. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.